Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Inquisitive on Relay FM. This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Dash, create beautiful dashboards with a few clicks, Squarespace, a better web starts with your website and the exciting new Squarespace 7, and Campaign Monitor, helping you send beautiful emails and get better results. My name is Mike Hurley and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Don McAllister. Hi Don. Good evening, Mike. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Good. Yeah, fine, fine. Um, yeah, just uh, just had a nice Chinese meal, and uh, it's early evening here, so I'm just sort of settling down now and, and chilling, and uh, it'd be good to talk to you. It's Been nice. It's nice to record with somebody who's actually sharing evening time. It's weird, me. isn't it? In the same time zone. Yeah, it's that's that's always a bonus uh, when that happens. Um, you know, sometimes I'm a bit sillier clock to do some of these things, but I know it's good when someone's in the same time zone because there's some empathy there. You know. So, Mr. McAllister, what do you like to be known for? Ooh, um, my screencasts, I suppose. That's the reason for my existence at the moment. Um, yeah, just screencasts online is, is my main gig. I still do various other little bits and pieces, but screencasts online is still the, the main thrust of my activities. For anybody that doesn't know, what is screencasts online? Well, screencasts online is, is actually a hobby of mine. I was in the fortunate position of... Um, doing a hobby uh, that turned into a full-time job. Um, so back in, ooh, it's a long time ago, 19, oh, sorry, 2006, not 19, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> 1991. <laughs> I invented <That's>, the internet. <laughs> 2005 it was, I actually started um, doing um, video tutorials for the Mac. I was a recent Mac convert and started doing some video tutorials to spread the word. And um, want, always wanted to do a podcast, and I eventually uh, started to produce these screencasts um, and send them out as a podcast. And over over six months or so, it sort of morphed from a weekend activity that I was getting loads of pleasure out of, but was taking up my weekends to uh, packing in my my full time job and uh, taking a stab at doing it full time, uh, which I've been doing since then. So you know, it's it's worked out well. And uh, I'm still doing two two screencasts a week. So I do I now do a Mac screencast and an iOS one. I uh, sort of do them separately, but they're still part of the overall screencast online umbrella. So they go out every week. So, of course, we've doing this for so long. There's a huge archive now of, I think it's over 600 tutorials that uh, are in the archive. A lot of which, you know, have fallen by the wayside. The software's moved on. But uh, the vast majority of the screencasts are still pretty relevant. You can still get value from them as well. How many people are working on Screencasts Online? Uh, well, it's still predominantly myself. I do most of the content. I have a couple of guest screencasters who help me out probably once every six weeks or so to do uh, like a guest episode, uh, Alison Sheridan and Todd. Um, but um, the, I have got probably, I think it's six or seven other people who help me out on the post-production side, but on um, a part-time basis. So very much I, I've sort of now been able to procedurize or standardize the, the post-production procedure and I can sort of chop up the, the pipeline into discrete jobs and hand them out to, to people and they can just do that discrete job, pass it back to me and it moves on to the next stage in the process. So I'm still very much the planning and the uh, scripting and the, uh, the content creator, but the post-production process now um, does get handed off to uh, say about I think six or seven people who who help me out on a, a regular basis. 
I think, you know, in 2014, screencasts uh, are everywhere, you know, services like YouTube and, and Vimeo, that people are producing this stuff for yeah. free and, mm-hmm. and it makes it really easy to share. What was the landscape like when you started out? What services, if any, were around to help you with what you were trying to do? Uh, yeah, well, I think YouTube was fledgling, um, but the, it the, definitely wasn't owned by Google at that point. Even no, if it I did exist. It if, even if it did exist, I'm not sure actually when it did come to into existence. Um, but I sort of saw that grow, and uh, Vimeo as well. I don't think it was around at the time, so it was very much people doing their own thing. Um, uh, sort of basically just doing their own sort of like video channels using whatever download service was available. Um, I, I, I rapidly moved on to the Libsyn platform, which is I still use to today, which is a, a great platform for podcasters because they take some of the risk away. Because especially with video, um, if you do get a, a super popular, I mean, people probably aren't that worried about it now because there are things like YouTube, which is sort of got unlimited bandwidth. But, you know, in, in the early days, you, you could you could end up with a an account that would charge you based on your bandwidth and being a video podcast you didn't really want to do that so libsyn have always had a a great plan whereby you pay a fixed fee for a fixed amount of storage each month but the bandwidth was unlimited so um you know that that was um, that was a good way to sort of get my costs under control and not worry too much about things going viral or or you know getting too popular too quickly yeah we we use libsyn uh, oh, yeah. relay fm yeah i i use them uh, when I was doing seventy decibels, for that reason, right. you you just play a, pay a flat fee no matter what, and that yeah. that's that is a kind of comfort which you want. I think gives you some sort of stability. Yeah, yeah definitely. I don't think it's 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 probably not as important now, but at the time it, it was. Um, but again, you know, if you want to do it seriously. Um, you don't really well. It, again, my my sort of situation is different because uh, it's it's run as a membership system, uh, not a membership scheme. Because I, I got told off once by someone in America calling it a scheme because a scheme <laughs> has negative connotations in America. So it's not a scheme; it's a, <laughs> a membership system. In England, as you know, you know, membership scheme is fine, but yeah, no. So it's a membership site basically, and uh, I need to control you know, what goes where and who has access to what. So I can't just sort of throw everything on, on YouTube. Although there are ways of doing things on YouTube now I, I do appreciate. But um, no, all, all my stuff is on Libsyn and then I have some protected RSS feeds that are for the members and uh, it all works uh, works well. So what would you say, like, you know, you've been doing the screencast stuff for a while. Um, is, is there like a marked change as to how the, the sort of the landscape is now? Do you see many more people popping up and doing this thing? Has that affected your business at all over the not, years? Not really. Um, I mean, there are still lots and lots of people doing it, lots of people doing There's There's more sort of video reviews now. Uh, still probably not that many sort of tutorials that, that follow my sort of pattern um, because I, I tend to do – you know, a half hour uh, on the Mac and 15, more, more often 20 minutes on iOS. And that normally covers a single application or a single topic. So in the grand scheme of things, they're fairly long form. You know, they're, they're quite long videos. And it, it always was the case, oh, if you do an internet video, you know, it has to be less than 10 minutes or, or even, you know, less than five minutes to keep people's attention. So, you know, I, I sort of never went with that. I, I stuck to, uh, in fact, the Mac shows when I first started out, they probably were like 40, 45 minutes. And I've sort of split it into 30 and 15 um, to, to, to cover both, both camps of Mac and iOS. And um, there's not really that many other people doing a s- sort of similar thing. That, that I'm aware of. You have the, I mean, the other big company that does it obviously is, um, well, there are a couple of big companies that do it, but the, the, the main one really is Linda, you know, lynda.com. Mm-hmm. But again, they have a slightly different business model to me. 
they have different types of videos as well. They, they tend to go for the pro apps. They tend to go for the, you know, the four or five hour long course that you can break down and, and look at. Whereas I keep, um, it might go over one or two weeks, but, you know, usually each week or every two weeks, it's a discrete topic that people can follow. Uh, slightly different this time of year because, of course, we've got iOS and uh, Yosemite coming down the track. So, you know, I'll probably do two or three months worth of um uh, Yosemite and iOS iOS 8 tutorials over the space of that time and interspersed with something just to keep people's interest up. So it's a it's a it's a fairly, you know, tried and tested formula I've been doing it for quite a while and um I haven't really seen any anything to impact it. Um I've I've seen people to be honest I've, I have seen a couple of people sort of come along and and sort of do a similar thing but it's it's very it's very an intensive process especially to do it on a regular basis. That's one of the things that I sort of try and, and make sure happens because it is a paid for service. It has to be regular. You know, the, the, the quality has to be at a certain level. Um, but I think the regularity, you know, it's a weekly thing um, is, is, well, it's both a plus and a minus. Uh, people enjoy the comfort of having something at the end of the week, but also there's so much content. Some people have trouble keeping up with it, but um, you know, that's, that's one of the things with, with running the membership services that it's a paid for service. The content has to be there when it's promised. And uh, you know, because I'm full time, um, there's no excuse for it not to be really, other than when I try and take holidays and stuff, which can be a bit troublesome. Do you feel a pressure that you that, that you have this? You know, you have your membership, you have your members. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, very much so. Um, it, it's a pressure and a responsibility as well. Um, you know, because you know, you know, people have paid in good faith to receive a, a product, so you know, you, you have to be there. And I, I think, and again, I suppose it's it's with with sort of coming from you know, we say the old days now. It's only nine, eight or nine years ago. But to sell things on the internet then um, was was more difficult than it is now because it was pretty unheard of. You know, there weren't there weren't many services. You know, a random guy pops up on the internet and wants you wants him wants you to pay him money to deliver this content. You know, you think, mm, well, I don't know. It's a lot easier now. But then I think you know things things like integrity and and um, you know delivering when delivering what you're going to deliver what you've promised. Uh, I think we're all big things at the time, and I've just sort of carried that through. So yeah, there is a pressure to keep up the um, keep up the turn. You know, keep up the the output. But the, the good thing is that there's never any shortage of topics and things move on quite quickly in, in the Mac and iOS space. So there's always plenty of things to cover. Uh, sometimes I, I think I'd like to spend a bit more time, you know, because I am under quite a, um, uh, a difficult schedule that perhaps I might like to spend a bit more time on a particular topic and delve into it in a bit more deeply. But because of the pressures of, of doing the weekly um, schedule, uh, sometimes I can't really do that. So that's, uh, that's another sort of type of pressure as well. But uh, I'm coping. I think, I mean, I would definitely argue it, and I think many people would, that you are one of the most recognized voices in the Mac community. Like People just know your voice, whether mm -hmm. they're familiar with you or Screencast Online or not. Why, why is this? Why do you think this is? Have you tried to make it this way over the years? <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. I think it's probably just that, you know, I've, I've popped up in, in very many different places. So I've sort of popped up on, um, you know, MacBreak Weekly and it's been a, a, a big help to sort of 
elevate the, the profile so more people know me. Um, I mean, in the early days as well, I used to do lots of uh, sort of uh, sponsored screencasts where I'd do a screencast and then the vendor would uh, promote it as well or I'd do uh, a screencast and they'd host it on their site for them. So, you know, I'd, I've sort of done screencasts for pretty much most of the, the sort of major vendors in, in, the, in the Mac space uh, and lots of independent ones as well, you know, lots and lots of independent ones, which again is a bit of a niche that I fill in that um, – you know, I, I as well as doing Mac and and the big software products, I, I like to do the the smaller indie developers as well. So you know, if they've got a good app, I'll, I'll do that for them as well. So I suppose the chances are that you, you know, if you're interested in the Mac or or iPad or iPhone, that uh, if you go hunting on the internet, I'll pop up in various places. But uh, no, certainly, um, certainly wasn't sort of designed that way. It's just the way it's happened over the longevity of the uh, the past eight or nine years. So you say, you know. Eight or nine years. You've been you've been running the site for for quite some time. Mm-hmm. What would you say have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned during this period of running your own business in this way, or at least just creating content that you put on the internet? Um, which it's just the, the the difficulty for me in the early days was just starting from scratch with nothing to to base it on. Um, and I think initially I got the, the pricing wrong. Um, I, I think if I had my time over again, I'd, I'd sort of revise how I actually set up the pricing. I, I think I've rectified it now and we're sort of, um, you know, in line with what it should be. And it probably is still a bit cheap, but uh, I started off pretty much, well, I did actually give it away to begin with. That's It was the hobby. I was I was giving them away. And then I just gradually brought in the, the paid element and, you know, over the space of two or three years sort of built that up. Um, so um, sort of the whole business side of things, um, yeah, so the pricing is is always difficult to get right, but uh, I think I'm probably nearly there now. Uh, and I've enjoyed doing the technology side of it. You know, most of the technology, um, although the, the current website um, I sort of partly designed and partly helped build, but, you know, it was mainly uh, another guy who actually did most of the work. But I quite enjoy the technology side of it, you know, how it all hangs together and, um, you know, the, the inside guts of how it all works and integrates with each other. I quite enjoy fiddling about with that. Um, so that's that's been quite interesting. But it's, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's just been fascinating to see how it's grown over the, uh, over the years. Saying about the pricing, do you think that maybe if you had set the pricing higher or or you hadn't had it as low as you did that you maybe might not have picked up steam like you did maybe people jumped in yeah. tried and then they shared you a you know shared shared the message don't know don't know really never, it's hard to I, tell I, I will, isn't it yeah <laughs> and we'll never know yeah we'll never know um yeah you know it, it's just i mean you don't like to give your stuff away but you know you want to feel as though you're delivering value and uh and that it's priced appropriately so you know that's 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 where the difficulty lies. But as I say, I think we're we're okay now. I think we're 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 round about where we should be. It was providing you with a living, so you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, it's it's one of these um, things, and you know, I know with your recent news that uh, you know you'll you'll probably find the same. But I find now that I came from the corporate environment, and I used to work hard in the corporate environment, put long hours in. But working for yourself, it's a it's a whole different ball game. You know the. The number of hours that you work has increased. Um, I worked. I worked harder. I'm trying to sort of throttle back a little bit now, but certainly for the first four or five years, you know, I worked much harder than I did in my my corporate job. But the rewards are there. You know, the the it's it's a different level of stress that you put yourself under because one, you're doing it out of interest, and two, you're doing it for yourself. And um, you know, it's it's just a, a whole different set of dynamics, really, when you, you're working for yourself. 
Um, but it's still, it still can be pretty hard work. It's a different kind of stress. I mean, that, that, that's at least what I've found. I mean, I, I'm going through the transitions, so I had mm-hmm. the interesting way of dealing with both of them. And mm. Relay is more stressful for me than my corporate job, but it's stress that I'm happy to accept. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the big difference. It's stress that I'm willing to take on mm-hmm. as opposed to stress I'm having imposed upon me. Yes, yeah, and you're in control of it as well. Uh, I mean, and I think one of the things that stood me in good stead with, uh, because I was, I mean, I, I held a, a, like a proper job for, you know, 20 years or so before I started to do this. And uh, I was quite disciplined. So, you know, it was never sort of, oh, I'll, I'll, when, when I moved over, it was never, oh, I'll, I'll do a screencast on Tuesday afternoon and then I'll produce it on Friday afternoon. And then, you know, it was, you no, know, I'd, I'd sit down at my desk at eight o'clock in the morning and then I'd, I'd work through to lunchtime and then I'd work through the afternoon and then I'd, I'd try and finish at five or six o'clock. And I'd do that Monday to Friday, you know, and Saturdays and Sundays sometimes as well. And I sort of still do that now, although I'm trying to um, eke out a little bit more space uh, and not work so hard. But, you know, I've definitely followed a corporate lifestyle, you know, I've definitely worked nine to five or eight to five um, rather than just being very lazy dexal about it because I had to because it's the, the weekly schedule requires that um, that sort of approach. Right. I want to take a, a very quick break to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Dash. Now, Dash is really cool. I want to tell you about it. It's, it's a fantastic website that lets you quickly create real-time custom dashboards. They're going to put these dashboards, pull in data from different sources of yours around the web, and they display them to you with a great visual overview, overview so you can get all of the important data for your website, business, uh, maybe even for your life, all in one screen, all within your web browser. Dash allows you to grab data from dozens of services, and they have pre-built widgets for all of them. Services like App Figures, Google Analytics, GitHub, Twitter, Chartbeat, Pingdom, and so many more. And if you have some data of your own that you want to pull into your dashboard um, with Dash, then you can use their API and share data from Dropbox, and you can create widgets that show line charts, tables, um, or you can use iframes and do everything completely yourself. It allows you to try and keep an eye on the things that are important to you. So if you own a website or if you have a small business of your own, um, this is something that I've done with with Relay. So I have um, our Google Analytics information in there. I have uh, Twitter information in there, so people that are replying to our account. Um, I have the master feed, the RSS master feed straight in there as well, so I can see what's being posted to the site. But then you can also set up your own personal dashboards, right? You can have your favorite news sources in there. You can have your Twitter stream in there as well if you want. Um, it's really cool. Like You can just dig in and you can pull in all this information. And it's really easy to move things around and resize things. It, it just works a dream. The pricing model is a lot like GitHub. Everyone, all Dash users, get unlimited public dashboards. So you can set up your as many dashboards as you want, but you're sharing the live data with the Dash community, which is really cool because you can go into their Explore and you can get ideas from other people, the types of things that they put into their own dashboards. But if you upgrade to their pro account, which is $10 a month, you'll also get unlimited private dashboards too. So these are the ones that are just for you to see. So maybe that's where you want to put the, the personal information stuff. 
But Dash is currently running a fantastic promotion for listeners of Relay FM. If you go and sign up for a free account right now at thedash.com, that's T H E D A S H.com, you'll also get one private dashboard in addition to your free account's unlimited public dashboards. No credit card required to do this, and you'll keep that private dashboard forever for free. So go do it right now. So this is a limited time offer. You want to go and sign up for it, you've got absolutely nothing to lose. Go to thedash.com, get your free private dashboard, and set up some public dashboards too, and then sign up because they're awesome. Thank you so much to Dash for supporting this show and Relay FM. So, Mr. McAllister, I would like to talk a little bit about creating a screencast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I know that a lot of people that, that listen, they have their own podcasts, they have their own blogs, you know, they have their own YouTube show. But the creation of a screencast is, seems like quite an art to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that there's quite a lot that goes into it. I think that over time, things like podcasting has become easier to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be interested to understand if screencasting has gotten any easier to do either so i think uh, uh, go ahead yeah no i don't think it has <laughs> <laughs> this is what i'd assumed <laughs> no i don't think it has it's one of those things where it's like patting your head and, and rubbing your tummy at the same time you know it's a, it's quite a difficult thing to uh oh it's not impossible but i mean the tools have made it a lot easier i mean when i when i started um you know there were very limited tool sets and we had to use final cut to to actually edit the uh, screencast, whereas now uh, things like Camtasia and ScreenFlow um, have uh, you know fully fully integrated uh, creation screencast creation tools basically that allow you to both uh, capture the screen and then to annotate the screen and to edit your video and to put uh, captions in and to export it as well, even exporting it directly to YouTube. So the actual technical process behind creating the screencast is probably easier. Um, But the actual content creation itself, I think that remains uh, a bit of an art in that, you know, you you have to structure it correctly, you have to engage people, you have to... Um, you know, keep people's interest really for the for the course of the of the screencast, and and that's the bit that's hard to quantify. And that's the bit that um, you know I've sort of picked up along the way, and it's very difficult to to quantify how it's done. Um, but you know, it's 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 just one of those things. You, you you need to do a few. I mean, if I listen back to any of my early screencasts, you know, it's just awful. But um, yeah, I'm sort of getting more used to it now. But it, it's it's I, I suppose there is a set procedure that I go through in that. People always say, well, how do you know all these applications and software? Well, the majority of them I have used or do use, but a lot of them, you know, they're relatively new. So I I wouldn't have time to have used it for six months if it only came out, uh, you know, a month or so ago. So I've sort of developed a way of of being able to quickly quickly pick up uh, some of the key points for particular applications. So, you know, if it's a new application that perhaps I haven't used a lot, I'm aware of, but I've decided that there's some really cool features in there and I think people would be interested because, again, that's what I try to do as well. I try to um, try to pull out features from apps that people might find interesting or or sort of hidden features that they might appreciate are there or perhaps they do know they're there, but they perhaps haven't got the context in which they might want to use them. So all those sorts of things. I, I can uh, sit down for a morning with with an application and, and use it and you know just pick out the key features that I think are, are really nice. And put together, I, I don't put together a script. I do put together an outline of the things I want to cover. And that might change as I'm actually recording. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll create an outline. I'll script the beginning of it. So the introduction part, I'll script. And and then once I'm past the introduction, then I basically follow the, the bullet points and work my way through the application as I think uh, it, it the best way to actually demonstrate it to certain, you know, to people. And 
I mean, I don't, although it it probably sounds fairly seamless if you sit down and listen to it. You know, it, they are recorded in small segments, so I might record, you know, maximum of three to five minutes at a time. And then I'll actually edit as I record as well. So I'll go back over those three or five minutes and I'll edit out any bits where I might have hesitated or changed tack or, or you know, fluffed a line or something. And I'll, I'll edit that. So I know really what's happened in the last five minutes. And then I'll record the next five minutes and, and do the same process until, you know, at the end of the day, I've got half an hour's worth of content and, and then it goes off to, to post-production. But I, I can tweak things. Like, for instance, um, yesterday, you know, we've got Yosemite coming out probably tomorrow. So I need to do, although I've had Yosemite for, for ages, um, I need to do the first screencast. And usually the first screencast when the new OS comes out is the, you know, the installation, how you install it. And so I sort of, you know, cleared the decks, got a machine, reconfigured it and put it on and, and then started. Uh, it's quite a, it's quite a challenge actually, because obviously, you know, when you're rebooting your machine all the time and, um, uh, my normal screen flow utilities won't capture some of the screen. So I have to jig it around slightly and use different tools to do that. But, you know, I worked my way through that halfway through, I realized there was a, a, a bit that affected what I'd said previously. So I'd record that bit. Then I'd skip back to 10 minutes before and make a slight alteration because I'd discovered something new or uh, something had changed or something wasn't as I thought it would be. And then just basically, you know, go through. And it's, it's really, I think a, a case of, of keeping, uh, keeping a mental track of, of where you've been, where you're going, and then um, just iterating on the fly and then going back and, and changing something if, if, it's, if it's needed. And then, you know, the, the, the output then is just a – it's still not completely finished at that point, but, you know, you've, you've got a working screencast that uh, you're happy to move on to, to the next process with. I'm really interested in the way that you say that you kind of can just pick up an app and start digging in and – because I don't think that that's something that everybody can do. Have you like developed a sixth sense over time? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've always been quick to to pick up things. Um, yeah, I, I, and you know, it's it not it's not even just digging through the to the to the app itself. It might be just digging through the help manual and just you know reading quickly through the help manual and picking up some of the key points. Um, I'm lucky that I don't have to write all the key points down. They'll I can I can just sort of just make a mental note of, of the things it can do, and you know go in and, and have a good play with it. And at the end of at the end of a couple of hours, you know I'm fairly confident sort of using the app and confident enough that I feel confident to to show other people you know how certain things move, how certain things work. So, how do you know you you, you found an app? So you, you know you may have found it through Twitter or whatever how do you know you've you've got enough in this application for shooting do you ever like throw any out halfway through you're just like actually there's not there's not enough in here to make a screencast out of yeah well not really and it's very rarely that i uh how can I, well it's there's been a couple of times when i've sort of started to use an application and it's it's just too buggy or too flaky or there's you know there's there's serious problems with it because it's not quite baked in which case i'll just say no it's not ready for prime time yet so i i won't see i i don't sort of do negative reviews of apps so you know i don't expect someone to listen to me for 15 minutes go on about how crappy an app is or anything. So if if it's if an app's bad or it doesn't do what it's supposed to do or you know if I'm not happy uh, if I wouldn't be happy um sort of recommending this to somebody else it it doesn't go in. So and but but that's only happened, you know, two probably three times when I've actually started to record something and then realized that no it's it's not ready for prime time. So there's that part of it. But I I think with most most applications um 
you, you can actually cover half an hour quite easily. It's, it's surprising how, when you do start to dig in, I mean, there are obviously things like very simple menu bar utilities and stuff, which you can't fill half an hour with, in which case I'll do occasionally what's called a Mac montage show where I'll do like four or five segments, um, of, of, you know, a very simple utility, which I still think is very cool. And, and people still need to understand some of the background behind it and how it fits into, you know, a workflow, but, you know, I can actually pop them in. I can save them up and then just put a montage show. And, and they're very popular, actually. People quite like that because they can dip in and dip out and just watch, you know, just one small segment and skip the next one if they're not into it and then carry on again. So that's that's my way around that. Um, I don't normally have a problem of filling half an hour with uh, with a general application. But if it's a small utility, yeah, I can I can batch them up and put them out as Mac montage shows. I'm interested in the equipment that you use. Mm-hmm. So what are you currently using to, to do the screencast? Um, you know, I do change around a bit, which I still have. <laughs> that was one of the reasons I asked. Is I know that you, like not many, you are a man who uh, gets enticed by the the new, yes. new gadgets. Well, I, I, another good another good reason for working for yourself is that you know there's no no one has to sign off anything for me, and also it's tax deductible as well because it's my business. So <laughs> ding, <laughs> it's a double whammy. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even have to pass the wife acceptance test as well. So that's even you know. So that's three three things you know it's, it's really good um so well my current setup is for the mac is uh, i have a mac pro so i have a mac pro with one of the uh, lg 34 inch ultra wide monitors uh which is really nice and i also have a small um a very small uh, ipad size monitor believe it or not which is attached via thunderbolt and that's my main sort of production workspace so if i'm doing um, a Mac, and I've got this convoluted way now. The the LG monitor has um, dual inputs, so even though it's a single monitor, you can actually plug two inputs into it. So I've concocted a way of having it uh, having the Thunderbolt connection from the Mac Pro going into the LG, and then the HDMI output of the Mac Pro going into the second port. So I've actually got two two displays on a single monitor, but it's the same machine. Bit hard to get your head around. That. Oh, I'm so lost. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have the Mac Pro outputting yep. two. Yep, into the same monitor. Ah, so, and on one side I have that, my editing software, and on wow. the other side I have um, I have a, a desktop where I do where I actually record on on that side of the monitor. So have yeah, you it's, ever it's, written this up anywhere? You know, not really. I should do. I, th- I have got uh, my setup page on the um, on my blog. Uh, but uh, no, I'm not actually because I'm still I'm still experimenting with it. You see, it's still not fully formed, but it it seems to work well. Um, I, I also have a, a MacBook Pro as well, which I sometimes bring in to do, like for instance, uh, doing the Yosemite stuff. I actually did that on the the Mac uh, Book Pro, but then I use a, an Elgato game capture card, which uh, or rather little box that takes the HDMI out of the MacBook Pro and feeds that into Mac into the Mac Pro. And I actually capture the output while it's rebooting on on the Mac Pro from the from the MacBook Pro. So that's a a little that's that's just a complication for when I have to reboot constantly or, or want to catch a setup screen uh, screens. But primarily, yeah, it's it's mainly just off the Mac Pro at the moment. And then for the i for the iPad, it's um, I I have been using um, either Air Server or X Mirage, which are sort of like AirPlay applications that you install on the Mac, and then you can use AirPlay uh, on your iOS device to 
mirror the screen on your Mac and then use ScreenFlow to capture that. So that's quite straightforward. But with uh, Yosemite, there's a new feature whereby you can plug in the USB cable into your iOS device and you can use uh, QuickTime Pro to actually capture the output of your iOS device. And I've been experimenting with that, doing some of the, uh, the new iOS 8 screencasts. But that's been a great help for you. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. It's the AirPlay solution is great, but it can be a bit flaky. And also, um, sometimes you know, if you're in an application such as the Photos app, and you you want to capture, um, you, you to show some editing controls in an app, when you put it into AirPlay, it actually it thinks you're trying to display the photo on the AirPlay screen, so you lose all the controls. So you got to start taking screenshots and stuff, and it mm. gets a bit messy. But no, the the QuickTime recording, although in the in some of the betas it was very very flaky. Um, it it seems to have stabilised a lot now in the uh, in the in the GM. So hopefully that's going to be rock solid. So it's an, a nice little um, just a nice little perk. Yes, anyway. yes, very much so, very much so. And you, you know, it, it sometimes you sort of have to keep reminding yourself that you know all this new stuff like the. You know, the, the continuity and the handoff works great if you've got the latest gear. And, of course, lots of people can't upgrade all the stuff, you know, um, each time it comes out. So I just have to be a little bit – remember that, really. And, uh, you know, that people sometimes do struggle with getting some of the new stuff to work because, the, you know, the hardware doesn't support it. So when it comes – you've spoken a little bit about the, the shooting itself, and but you mentioned about how you kind of – you do it in blocks and you, you sort of edit as, you, as mm-hmm. you go. Do you record the audio and the video at the same time? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, always uh, record the audio and the video at the same time. I have dabbled in the past. If I've done sort of promotional work for people of uh, trying to record the audio first and then matching the images to it, it works, but it's 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 even more work to do. To do forty-five minutes worth of output uh, using that technique, it, it would never happen. It has to be done sort of on the fly. So yeah, the audio and the video is recorded. Uh, I might go back in and do an overdub or or re-record a section later on in the edit. But um, you know, ninety probably what ninety-eight percent of the stuff uh, I'm actually recording the audio as I'm sort of doing the actions on screen, and that's the that's sometimes the part where it's like you know tapping your head and, and rubbing your stomach it's uh, it, it, it's a bit of a knack but you, you do get used to it do you you say you kind of do it in these gaps and, and, and that kind of thing for a 30 minute screencast mm-hmm. how long does it take on average to, to actually uh, just record oh to record probably yeah. the best part of um, probably it, it depends you see some, some you just flow through and it's great and it's you know you can do it in two or three hours um, other times you know you stop starting or having to fix things or go back and redo stuff uh, it's probably I, I would normally allocate a day to do a recording but that might include a couple of hours in the morning sort of preparing to do the recording um, you know sort of get getting the script or getting the outline written just testing a few things setting up some of the assets that I might need to to demonstrate stuff uh, reconfiguring the equipment, you know, it, it all takes time. So, you know, I, I sort of try and aim to, to do it in a, do the recording process in a, in a day. The actual recording probably takes no more than three or four hours, I would think. And you mentioned that you're kind of handing off a lot of the editing stuff now to to people that are helping you out. Mm-hmm. What sort of change has this made to the business and your life? <laughs> <laughs> not not as much as you might think. Oh, really? Uh, and not as much as my my wife thought it would. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you fill in the gaps. That's the problem. You know. It's, um, it, although no, to be to be fair, I, I mean, you know, I've had a, a couple of weeks holiday in the past six months, so it's it's a big plus when um, 
because it needs to go out regularly. You know, if there is going to be a break when I'm going to be away, um, it, it does help to um, produce stuff in advance. So all I need to worry about is just doing the recording bit and managing the, the process, and then I can just hand it off to people. Uh, I mean, I, w- I was away on holiday uh, a couple of weeks ago. I went away for a fortnight, and like two days before, we had like three or four shows sort of in the last stages of production all being worked on concurrently, which I could never have done by myself. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. So um, that that's really good. You can do sort of concurrent stuff and, and schedule it for future release. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to sort of throttle back a little bit and, um, you know, take a, take a couple of days off here, here, there, and everywhere. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's made me more aware of how much work is involved. Um, but, and I think one of the, I, I always thought perhaps I was trying to be a bit of a control freak when I, I wouldn't let it go in the past, but I, I sort of realized that, no, it was, it was having to standardize it. That was the secret, you know, getting the procedure standardized to the point whereby I could actually hand it off to someone. Uh, one big area that's, that's actually has made a big difference is the production of the magazine because, um, as part of the Screencast Online membership, uh, and also if you just want to buy the magazine, there is a, there is an iPad magazine um, in newsstand, which is Screencast Online Monthly. And that's a vehicle really for me to um, repurpose the previous month's output. So um, if you buy the magazine, you get last month's, all the videos that I produced in the previous month, uh, plus a number of articles um, from um, you know, friends of mine in the Mac community. So, and, that, and people really enjoy the magazine, you know, but it does take uh, three or four days to produce. Even though the videos are produced and other people are writing the articles, the, the whole production process is quite involved. And I was doing that as well as, you know, producing the, the, the normal shows. But a couple of months ago, um, I got one of the guys who's been helping me out on the post-production involved in the the news stand side. And... Um, He's sort of taken over basically the entire production process for the magazine, which is fantastic. A guy called Rob Workman. And Rob now, I just set a couple of things up, hand it over to Rob, and he can actually run with it and he can produce basically the entire magazine uh, oh, wow. in two or three days. And, and normally, I, you know, I would have had to dedicate two or three days to do that. But now I can, you know, those, they are clear wins on, on my account because, you know, I've got that time to do other things and uh, Rob can get on with, with doing the magazine production. Now, I have a few more things I want to ask you about the process itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But before I do that, I just want to take our second break for this week's episode and thank our friends over at Squarespace. I'm very excited to talk about Squarespace today. They are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own professional website portfolio and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code QUESTION at checkout. A better web starts with your website. When it comes to finding a place for your work on the internet or your thoughts, just about anything, maybe your business, maybe a social group that you're a part of, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all of the power you need into your hands. They take away all of the pain, like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. Squarespace has fantastic, beautiful, professional designs that really allow you to craft a home for yourself online and make it shine. And it's getting even better with the new marvelous Squarespace 7. Squarespace have taken everything that they have learned over many years of powering millions of sites on the web to make their platform even better than ever before. 
They've made sure that they've taken all of this knowledge and used it to refine their system, to make their platform more awesome, more powerful, more strong than it ever was before. Squarespace 7 features a bunch of new stunning templates that all, of course, feature responsive web design. They've partnered with some really cool musicians, artists, architects, and chefs to develop new templates that cater to these professions. So as well as, you know, the standard ones for blogs and businesses, they now have some more kind of niche Uh, areas where they're creating website templates that fit these types of things. So if you are any of these, or if you maybe do any of this kind of stuff in your spare time, Squarespace is even better for you than it ever was before. They're also embracing the cover page, which is something that allows you to create single-page websites. They're really cool for personal websites, announcements, and so much more, and they give you all of the power of Squarespace in one page. They've added some fantastic new tools to their brand new site editor, like Device View, which allows you to quickly see and easily see how your content will look on any device. They've also refined a lot of the the styling stuff, and you get to see all of this in one window now. Previously, you kind of jump back and forwards between like the, the site editor and then the design manager. Now it's all in just one window in one view, which is really cool. If you want to stretch Squarespace even further, their dev platform is now out of beta. It's available to everyone. And they've added even more functionality to the platform to allow you to dig in deeper to Squarespace than ever before. If you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be named. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. They have 24-7 support through live chat and email located in New York City, Dublin, and Portland. And don't forget Squarespace Commerce, where you can set up your own store and start selling things online. There has never been a better time to try out Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com right now and start a trial for free. No credit card required. You can start building your website immediately. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, show your support for us by using the offer code QUESTION at checkout. It's going to get you 10% off your first purchase, and it's going to let them know that you found out about this from Inquisitive. We'd like to thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. A Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. Don, what are your favorite and least favorite parts of the screencast production process? Um, it would probably have to be um, least favorite, probably the newsletter side of things. I, I do a weekly newsletter. And uh, it's at the moment, really, it's basically it's a copy and paste job, to be honest. But it does it is a little bit of a chore because uh, it has to be done on the Friday, and uh, it's not difficult. But you know, it's just one of those things that has to be done every week. Um, and probably, you know, and I haven't got a hand handle on it properly. Is the is the promotion of the shows once they've been published? You know, going through the uh, the social media aspects of making sure it's it's posted to Twitter and to Facebook and LinkedIn stuff like that. I, I sort of dabbled with automation, but you know, I don't really like some of the automated solutions. So there's a just a just a, a short process that I need to run through, and I haven't fully procedurized it, which is why I've not handed over to somebody else yet. Um, but that's that's probably the the biggest. Um, so the thing I, I, I dislike the most because that's basically just turning the handle to, to press a few buttons. Mm-hmm. And what do you love the most? Um, probably the, the, the satisfaction of the finished product um, because sometimes even when you're recording, you know, it's um, because you're sort of, 
doing it in chunks. You thought to think, well, is this going right or am I going down the right direction here? And and it's only really when you get to the end of it, and even perhaps sometimes even when you get to the end and it's been out, I, I get some some other guys to actually do like a final edit to the to the screencast, and I sort of review it. Think, yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm I'm pleased with that. So it's the satisfaction of of um, the creation process. I think that's probably the most enjoyable part of it. And of course, the feedback. You know, if, if it if it gets great feedback, well, that's the icing on the cake then you know if people are appreciative of the uh, of the effort you've put in um so that's probably my most favorite you know when i get uh, when i get the good feedback i think people listening can hear that you're you're clearly someone who has lots of things going on you know like the newsletter the site itself you have the mm-hmm. magazine but there's something else that you're working on now as well uh screencast online academy what what is this yeah, this this is um, it's very much a work in progress. Um, it was something I, I I didn't throw together, but it was something I've, I've thought of. See, that the problem I have is that the membership uh, system is great, and and there are lots of people who do actually want to have regular uh, tutorials about the Mac and iOS, and you know they look forward to it being published every week, and they consume it voraciously. But there are people who don't really have that level of interest. You know, they 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 want to know more about using the Mac or their iPad. But they don't really uh, want to sign up for a you know a twelve month subscription to a service that they they might or might not use. They might dip in occasionally. Uh, I mean, there are people who do that. To be honest, you know, people who just dip in occasionally for the things that they want. But it's not for everybody, and I appreciate that. So the academy was really a a, a way of. Um, packaging tutorials for somebody who just wants to know about one particular topic. So say they wanted to know about, uh, and the, the only one that's actually on the site at the moment actually is, is iWork13. I, I did a, a whole series of tutorials uh, on the latest versions of Pages, Keynote and Numbers. And so what I've done is I've taken them, um, it's the same content that people will get in the membership system, so it's nothing new, but I've just taken that block of tutorials, um, there's about five hours worth of content, and repackaged that as a single um, a single product basically called Let's Learn iWork 13 and put that on a separate website called Screencast Online Academy and it's just a single, single price for that one single piece of content and you know if people want to go ahead and learn about iWork 13 they can go in, uh, subscribe to that and you know they've got basically that, that tutorial you know, ad infinitum. Uh, and then over time, what I will do is probably add a few more sort of major topics into there. So obviously iOS 8 and uh, OS 10 Yosemite. Uh, once I've finished doing the tutorials for those, I'll package those up into separate blocks and put them in the academy. And then people, if they just want to learn about iOS 8, they can go in and just just buy that that block of tutorials and don't have to worry about a subscription or a membership. And uh, that's that's sort of the idea behind it. So you jumped on the crazy TLD train and picked up a dot academy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um did yeah. you have did you have the idea for this because of that or was it something no, you was always no. thinking of? No, it was something I was always thinking of to be honest. So like a separate website away from the membership website that uh, I could just put sort of discrete blocks of content and uh, allow people to purchase them individually. I mean, I've I've always had people saying, "Oh, we wish we could just buy single episodes and stuff." And and I have sort of dabbled with that, but it it doesn't really work. Um you know, sort of single weekly episodes. That's that's never really taken off. So I think this, you know, where, where it's a significant block of uh, a significant chunk of uh, education that uh, you know that this might be uh, a, just a different approach, a different way for a different target audience to actually you know purchase uh, information that they're interested in without having to go through uh, the full membership system. 
And where you know over the years you've you've really kind of taken steps to diversify your business. Like, you, you, Screencast Online has many offshoots. Why do you do this? Do you do you see it as new avenues to try and get more customers, or is it because you just want to try new things out to give more to your current? Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's 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 a mixture of both. I mean, I like trying new things, like the whole Screencast Online Academy in introduced me back to WordPress, which I hadn't used for ages because it's a WordPress site. And, uh, you know, I, I spent a week or two sort of learning more about WordPress and having a look at templates and seeing how the templates worked and, you know, how, how actually, and also, you know, the, the, the videos are delivered via Vimeo in a, in a different way now. So I ended up with a Vimeo Pro account and I learned more about Vimeo Pro. So these things sort of, you learn more and more about different tools and techniques as you, as you try these things out. And yeah, you know, the, the specific one, the Academy really was to di- diversify, uh, sort of look towards the future so there's the membership site and also this the separate block of work i mean i've doubled doubled with apps as well and um, there are still some apps on the app store that um uh, are from screencasts online i've not i had a I had a horrendous six months with um with apple and, oh i remember uh, yeah, that yeah that was awful so that sort of soured me a little bit towards the app store where they they pulled all my apps because they were videos rather than anyway Let's forget. <laughs> but they, yeah. they pulled my apps for, for like six months and I had a, a battle with them to get them reinstated. And they, they did get reinstated in the end, but, you know, it was, it was more effort than, than it needed to be. Um, so I, I sort of have a couple of apps still on there, but, you know, I'm sort of leaning away from the app side of things now. So the, hence the, the website and the downloadable content. Um, but yeah, the magazine, you know, again, a, a new platform was introduced that I'd always sort of um, looked at, at Newsstand, but hadn't really found a way, an easy way of actually producing content on Newsstand. And then Magcast came out, which was a new platform. So uh, I got involved with that and, and learned how to use it and was surprised at how easy it was to actually do. So, you know, uh, that's been running now, I think for nearly 18 months now, I think the uh, the magazine has been running for a while. And again, it was, a, it was a, I, I could have, if I wanted to, kept it completely separate and just you know people could buy it on newsstand but i decided to yes let people do that but also to give it away free to the members so it's like an, an added value to the members and you know lots of members really like the 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 format of having it on the ipad and in a news uh, in, a, in a magazine format they they find that really enjoyable and it's good fun to put together even though i don't i still obviously i still maintain editorial control over it but um you know rob does uh, most of the the hard work now in pulling it together um, but yeah, it's it's just you know it keep, keeps me entertained, keeps me educated, and uh, you know it's good to diversify and uh, mix and match things. I haven't really changed much in the website for a while. Um, I think the the biggest change was when I introduced the iOS stream because it was all Mac at one point, and it was it was getting quite difficult when iOS first came out of when to include an iOS show. Um, I did get some feedback in the early days that you know there, there were people who use Macs and had no interest in iOS, and they weren't very happy about that. So I decided to split. So I sort of split it into two channels, and then I thought, well, shall I have separate products for Mac and iOS? And I did that for a while, but then decided that, again, that was too much work to do. So it's it's back together right now. So it's just like a single membership for both Mac and iOS. Um, but, you know, the website, I need to do make some changes to the website. I'll probably have a bit of a redesign in in next 12 months or so. But um, yeah, you know the, the the actual membership side of things is pretty stable, and uh, and working well. So I don't really want to change it too much. Recently, I've been talking with lots of people who rely on advertising or crowdfunding mm-hmm. um, to help create their work, fund their businesses, and and their their passions. 
However, you found a model of directly selling your things directly to an audience, like the, mm-hmm. the old school route. Yeah. Why do you continue to go down this route? Does it make the most sense for your business, do you think? Um, at the moment, it does, um, because obviously over those you know, eight or nine years, I've actually built up uh, a significant audience. So um, had I, had I, was I starting from scratch tomorrow? Probably not. It probably would be worth my while to, to go down the advertising route. But um, I mean, I always, when I started, I always diversified as far as the um, revenue coming in, because obviously when I started as a membership site, the, the numbers of members wouldn't sustain what I was doing. So but you know, I could do the sponsored screencasts. I could do some affiliate things with with um, with vendors. You know, if I uh, did a screencast on their particular application, they would either sponsor the the screencast for that week, or you know, we would sort out some affiliate arrangement. And if people bought it through the screencast, I'd get some commission from that. And uh, I mean, I used to do sort of commission screencasts as well that didn't go into screencast online. I'd just do you know, a, a particular screencast for, for a particular vendor for their website. So in the early days, it was very much a spread approach. It wasn't all membership. But as the membership has grown, I've been able not to worry too much about sponsorships. Very rarely I'll do a sponsorship now, and it's very rarely that um, – well, I still do the occasional affiliate stuff. But, you know, it's the, the majority of the, of the income now is through the membership system, which is fine. You know, and the, the numbers are such that it, it is sustainable at this point. Um, as I say – was I starting tomorrow? I probably wouldn't just rely on just the membership system. I would probably look at you know advertising and and other ways to actually get me started. I think it probably wouldn't work now. I think that because you've been around and you have an established user base, you will continue to bring people on because they'll see that it's something that is worthwhile. But I think somebody coming in and just like, you know saying, okay, you need to pay me X amount of money and, and you'll get this. I don't know yeah. if, if that idea works in this in this current internet economy yeah i I think uh i think that's probably valid i think that's valid i mean i I have got a lot of people who've been with me since the very beginning a lot of of loyal and faithful people who you know followed me right the way through which is which is fantastic and um you, you know i don't really and i should probably do more i don't really do much sort of external marketing or or promotion um, so you know, I, I I don't get hundreds of new members each week. It's it's very, um, you know, very sort of level. Um, I, I get some, I lose some, I get some, I lose some. So, but it's it's all very much through either word of mouth or through podcasts. I mean, I do Google AdWords, um, but to be honest, it's, I think I'm just I don't think that's working very well. To if I'm completely honest, and I probably will will pull some of those. So um, yeah, but the, the whole marketing thing, you know. There's only certain things you can do in a day, and and marketing unfortunately takes a back seat. As long as the business continues to, yeah, to operate, yeah. it's not an issue, I think. Yeah, that's right. And as long as there's enough uh, sort of uh, you know safety margin to make sure that uh, things are okay, which which there is, uh, so I'm not really too concerned. And you know, always looking to the future. You know, if things change, if if I need to throttle back at any time, perhaps you know, the, uh, I'll probably keep, still keep the membership going. I might reconfigure it slightly. I might. And again, this this is not the near to medium future, but you know, in, in the long term future, it, it might change to um, bi weekly or something. You know, just to give me a bit more breathing space or whatever. So there's there's lots of things that can move around. You know, there's lots of things that I can reconfigure to, um, to to cope with the changes in situation. But at the moment, touch wood, everything's honky dory, and uh, there's no real need for change. I have one more thing that I want to ask you. But mm-hmm. I have to thank our final sponsor 
for this week's episode of Inquisitive, and that is our friends at Campaign Monitor, who make it easy to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns with ease. Campaign Monitor features Canvas, which is their easy-to-use builder for creating fantastic-looking email newsletters that look amazing everywhere. On mobile devices, desktops, and tablets, Campaign Monitor have got you covered. Thousands of Campaign Monitor customers are using Canvas to totally reinvent what they send and how it looks. So why not try creating a template for yourself for free at campaignmonitor.com slash canvas. Campaign Monitor also has some really cool features for sending and optimizing your email campaigns, like a Facebook app that lets people coming to your Facebook page quickly and easily sign up for your newsletter in just a few clicks. Uh, maybe you have a blog and you want to send out your uh, post, your most recent post to your blog to your email subscribers. What well, I have an RSS to email plugin that allows you to do that. And they also have some really cool spam testing tools that let you make sure that your email isn't going to be delivered to your customers incorrectly without triggering anything it shouldn't. They're going to show you, you know, what you need to do to make sure that you don't end up in the wrong inbox. So go sign up for a free account right now at campaignmonitor.com. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for their continued support of Inquisitive and Relay FM. So, Don, as I uh, move towards going full time with Relay FM in a few weeks, um, I've been thinking about hobbies. Mm-hmm. This is currently my hobby, <laughs> and it's about <laughs> to become my business. And and I know that that was the case for you as well. Yeah. Do you have any other hobbies? Do you try and find hobbies now? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question, and um, I sort of struggled with that. But to be honest, I still enjoy it. So it is it is still my hobby, but the hobby that sort of I earn my living from. I've been so, thinking about it as like a jobby. I know yeah. that's the way that I've been, you know. Oh, this is my jobby now. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, recently, I mean, I started to, um, but again, the, the, you know, the, the whole process of, of doing the screencast has has led me to buy a a 4k video camera, which, um, I mean, I've not, I've never been big into photography or anything, but I I bought this new camera and I'm actually quite interested in the photography side of it. Now that sort of led me into photography. So I'm sort of doing that. Um, it's not completely, you know, unlinked to what I do anyway. But, you know, I find that really fascinating and I'm playing with that. Um, And, you know, just just gadgets and stuff. Um, I I don't, I'm not, I don't do sport. I don't follow any sport or anything like that. So that's sort of uh, nothing that uh, interests me. But technology in general and just keeping up to date with stuff, you know, that's that's my hobby. And and it's it's okay. Uh, I I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy it. And I, I sometimes think I should have something completely separate from, you know the the work, but while I'm still enjoying it, well, it's 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 no issue to me, so that's it's not a problem. Yeah, because I think I love this. Like I mm-hmm. I love the podcasting. I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, that I'm just kind of concerned that if it becomes my job, that I should try and have at least something else I do. Yeah, I think the only difficulty you might find is to walk away and yeah. and leave it. That's yeah. that's the biggest problem. Um. And and I find myself running into that sometimes. Like you know, it's, uh, you know, it's five o'clock at night, and you've you've put in a full day, and you think, well, you know, I I could leave it at this point, but let me just do another half an hour, and then you know, it's half past six, so it's an extra hour and a half. Whereas you know, I, I should have just stood up and walked away at five o'clock. But you know, it's the things need doing, and if you don't do them today, you're going to do them tomorrow anyway. But you know, just try and just 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 try and be a um, 
conscious of that so that you can walk away at the at the relevant time. And I'm a little bit better now in that I used to sort of walk away from the desk and take my laptop and have that on, on my knee for the yeah. for the evening then. <laughs> still still do that now and again. And you know, the iPad and the iPhone are never far away. But that's normally just like, you know, just hanging out on Twitter and seeing what's going on rather than actually doing uh doing work. And and I will um sort of not look at my email or not look at the help desk calls, you know, of an evening, I'll, I'll leave them until the following morning and then catch up on them then. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, um, I'm, I'm sort of educating myself into, uh, the correct behavior, but, uh, you know, it's still, it's still good fun. And I still enjoy doing it. So I, I don't beat myself up about it too much. Mr. McAllister, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Where can people uh, find what your work online and catch up with you on social networks, etc.? Okay, well, um, the best place to go is probably screencastonline.com, and that's the, um, the the membership site where people can check out the membership. There's a 14-day free trial. It's an unlimited free trial as well, so if you uh, want to sign up and try out some of the tutorials, you can do. Um, there's the Screencast Online monthly magazine that's available in newsstand. Uh, you can either subscribe to that in newsstand or you can get that as part of a, a membership. Uh, if you do the free membership, you actually do get this month's edition as part of the complimentary uh, membership. Uh, and then there is also the screencastonline.academy where uh, you can check out the iWork 13 and uh, iOS 8 and Yosemite soon, hopefully. And then on Twitter, I'm Don McAllister and uh, that's mainly where I hang out these days anyway. And uh, that's about it. Oh, Google Plus, Screencast Online, <laughs> Facebook, Screencast Online, LinkedIn, Screencast Online. <laughs> the forgotten ones. <laughs> actually, no, we've got quite a good Google Plus community going now. Actually. Oh, really? There's about, there's about 700 or so members in there. You're probably the only one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. You know, I don't mind Google Plus. I really don't mind Google Plus. It was too late. Uh, if you want to find uh, links to everything uh, that we've spoken about today, you want to point your web browser at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash nine. I am Mike Hurley. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much again to our sponsors for this week, Dash, Squarespace, and Campaign Monitor. Go and check those guys and girls out and help support Relay FM. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Inquisitive. Thanks again to Don for joining me. Until then, bye-bye.